Good morning and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. And today I'm going to tell you about Paul Tarashuk. So pour yourselves a strong cup of joe and let's dive in. We will continue on with our content for this week's episode shortly, but first we wanted to take a moment to let you know about an opportunity to listen to even more Crime Over Coffee content. By signing up for our Patreon, you can receive ad-free episodes and additional content. To check out this opportunity and sign up for the Crime Over Coffee Patreon, visit www.patreon.com slash crimeovercoffeepod. Thank you again for all of your support. This episode is a little bit of a special release episode in a sense that we've actually already covered this case, Paul's case, but we had his mom, Cindy, reach out to us and we decided in efforts of bringing attention to Paul's story, we're going to just go ahead and retell the case and share with you some information that Cindy had given to us that wasn't in our previous episode. Um, obviously you guys can go back and listen to that episode, but we are just going to go over the, the main details again and discuss the case, discuss the situation and tell Cindy's, Cindy's story as well. In September of 2018, Paul Tereshuk was 26 years old and was living in South Carolina. Paul had suffered with some mental illness, including schizoaffective disorder and on September 10th, 2018, a call came in to dispatch late at night that a guy was walking down the highway in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Basically, a semi-truck driver had seen Paul walking down Interstate 95 and called the police, called 911. After he sees him, well, he pulled over and then he eventually figures out that Paul was on top of his truck. And so officers and EMS come to the scene. And there's a deputy specifically, Clifford Dorosky, who's a main part of this story. And he does have a body cam on, so it is all filmed. Initially, they assume that Paul is under the influence of alcohol or drugs because of how he's acting and his demeanor. EMS arrives at the scene and they take Paul into the back of the ambulance and they're speaking with him. And this is a big part of the, I'll say controversy, even though I don't know if that's really the best word for it, but a situation arises that appears to be not the right way to handle this situation in particular. So as I mentioned, this is all on Clifford Roski's body cam. But the EMS workers are trying to speak with Paul. And Paul is clearly having something something going on. And what we know now is that it is in response to some of his mental illnesses that are coming forward. But the EMS people are frustrated with him because he's not talking much. And they're saying kind of these truly awful things to him. There's one of the one of the women say something along the lines of, 
I'm tired, like give me your damn name so I can go home. Like I'm tired, kind of giving off this like you're wasting my time when something else is clearly going on. That's not the way to respond as a first responder. Like if you, if they're wasting your time, then you're in the wrong field because there's no specific time limits on being a first responder or a police officer or anything like that because you can't plan an emergency. So the fact that she even made that comment in that position really well, frustrates me. Yeah, and you're me. doing your job. <laughs> I mean, just think of it as you go do a job. Let's say you're like a customer service person. You're answering phone calls, helping people. And someone calls you and asks questions. You're like, you're annoying me. I want to go home. Like, that's just not how that works at all, especially in a situation like this where you're working in a field that something could be wrong with somebody like mentally physically it just and you can watch the footage it's all easily found online um it'll be in some of the links we provide but it's not handled appropriately and it's honestly like really heartbreaking to watch as i mentioned they think he's under the influence of something but what they decide to do is put an ammonia capsule up his nose and this is commonly used when patients are basically unresponsive and they think they're doing it to just like maybe get out of trouble or they're just ignoring them because having that put in your nose is supposed to make you have this reaction because it's this stimulant that's like very unpleasant however they put it in his nose and he literally he does Paul does not react to it and right there is obvious that this isn't a normal situation something's going on so they start asking him do you want to go to the hospital? And he shakes his head no. They're like, do you want to go to jail? And he shakes his head no. And so what they decide to do is Clifford Dorosky says, all right, well, I'll give you a ride to a safe environment. And that's word for word, a safe environment is what he says. I mean, Erica, I know you know this case, but what would you think a safe environment would have been in this situation? I said a police station, a hospital, a fire station. Really, whatever is like closest where you can get some sort of help. And Abby, I'll let you tell them where they actually went. Before I say that, let me say at this point, Paul has no shirt on, no shoes, no wallet, no phone. He's basically just in a pair of shorts. Okay. And so the officer's like, all right, I'm going to take you to a safe environment. As Erica mentioned, we all know what that would look like or should look like. So he drives him 15 miles away and drops him off at a gas station that's closed. And is like, okay, you're good. And then leaves. It's so messed up. I can't even begin to explain how angry this case makes me. It's very frustrating to listen to the way that trained first responders and medical personnel decided to treat this man in this case is insane to me it doesn't only show a lack of training but really it shows a lack of common sense and compassion for humankind yeah and it just shows that they truly didn't give a shit about him and it's so sad and at this point it's like early in the morning like 2 3 a.m and this is what this is what they end up doing this quote-unquote safe environment that he says he's going to take him to. Unfortunately, a little bit later, dispatch gets a call in from a woman who 
says that she's pretty sure she just hit somebody while she was driving down the highway. And literally the same crew shows up, the same officer, the same EMS crew, and it is Paul, and he has been hit, and he ends up passing away from this. And there's, I mean, this is filmed as well, um, them being at the scene in the aftermath. And one of the EMS people make a comment about, oh, well, if I would have known he was going to take him to the gas station, I would have just taken him to the hospital or something. But honestly, you guys could have done that. I don't, it just, I feel like so many people dropped the ball. They did. And I, I mean, I guess I could kind of get the EMS worker thinking that a police officer is actually going to be helpful in this situation. Um, so for him to not just immediately take him to the hospital and to actually be like, oh, okay, like he's with a safe person. This police officer is safe. That's fine. He'll take him where he needs to go. I can understand why he would think that. I just think that you're right. He could have taken him to the hospital just immediately. I don't know the exact level of who makes the final call in that situation. If it is the police officer or if the medics, I almost feel like in a medical emergency, it should be an EMT. But if it's like a criminal activity, then it should be the police officer. And so I wonder if it's just the way that they decided to take his behavior in that moment. Look, they don't even investigate the situation. Um, Prosecution and the attorney's office, they just don't, they don't do anything. And something I had seen in articles when I originally covered this case, and I see it in some of my notes from last time, is that there's comments about that one of the EMS ladies maybe be putting on leave for a while. And what we've since found out from Cindy, Paul's mom, is that that didn't happen. So basically, nobody had any consequences from the situation. All that happened is Paul loses his life and his family's trying to cope with it and deal with it in an appropriate way, but nobody's even listening to them. As I mentioned, Cindy did reach out to us and I will start, before I start talking about what she's, what she mentioned to us and how our messages were exchanged, I do want to say there is a petition on change.org that you can sign for Paul, and we will obviously provide that to you guys so you can find it. And I really encourage everyone to go to this website and sign the petition. So what I think I'm going to do is just read some clips Um, little snippets from some of the messages that Cindy shared with us and Erica and I will talk about some of them and so you guys can get a better understanding of really the tragedy that happened here and what Cindy and Paul's family has been going through since. She kind of starts off by saying that they're still fighting for justice for Paul and clearly they are because she reached out to us and you know we're absolutely happy to advocate and so That's what we're doing here. And I think by speaking a little bit to what she's been saying might help everyone really understand the case, get some sympathy for the situation that happened and help fight for justice for Paul as well. Okay, here is one of the messages from Cindy. We're still fighting for justice for Paul and change overall for others. Congressman Malinowski in New Jersey has been pushing in Washington for two years to get the DOJ to step up. Right before the holidays, they accepted Paul's case to investigate if Paul's rights were violated. 
He told us two years ago to start a petition on change.org, so we did. I have done all that I can to build up the numbers, basically begging people to sign. And as of right now, it looks like there's about 3,764. So the goal really is to get to 5,000, hoping that maybe um, local media might pick up the story and tell Paul's story and advocate for more people to bring attention to the case so that something happens with this investigation. I do want to say before I read this next message from Cindy that she is absolutely a fighter and she seems like she is just a super good person and that comes through in her messages and I think that's going to come through for you guys when I read this. All I can say is thank you with all my heart. For me, it's still day one. It's like time is still on the day that we found out Paul had died. Three hours of body cam and a ton of 911 calls stuck in my head. We continue to fight for justice for Paul. As soon as we get through the lawsuit, we can open up and be more vocal about what needs to change for others. Believe me, I have a list of changes in treatments and care, and that addresses so many issues that take place long before a psychotic break. Paul was such a great guy, so much fun and so happy all of the time, even when he was mad. He was a best friend to everyone, and as his mom, sometimes my favorite pain in the ass. I miss him so much. So I stay busy and I fight. And that last one got me because it's such an endearing mom and son or mom and, you know, kid relationship. You know what I mean? And I, my mom says that about me all the time too. So like that really, I I connected and that resonated with me. Yeah. When she first was sending those messages, my heart was just breaking for her. Uh, She's a grieving mother who is not only grieving the loss of her son, but is, and she's fighting for justice in a situation where she never should have had to. This is something that very clearly was a mistake made on the medic's part and on the police officer's part. And it should have been addressed long before it even came to this point where we're now having to get petitions signed in order to bring awareness to Paul's case. Right. And as I, I briefly mentioned earlier, something else we found out from Cindy is that Allison Harmon, who was like the main medic in the EMS, never got suspended, never got in trouble, as well as some of the other workers who were there. And as I had mentioned, and Cindy gave some even more examples, a lot of the things they said to Paul was just disgusting. They were calling him so many names that were inappropriate in any situation, especially this one. And, you know, she mentions, and I think it's a very good point that people, it seems like there's this weird stigma on people with mental illnesses where they expect them to act one way or another. And if they don't, then they don't know how to handle it appropriately. And that's really unfair because as we know, mental illness has such a wide range and everybody experiences it differently and reacts differently to it. And people who are supposedly trained professionals should know how to handle that. And I think the bottom line is it doesn't matter if you know the exact appropriate way to handle a psychotic break or to handle somebody who is going through a schizophrenic episode or whatever it is, or somebody who is on drugs or drunk. The bottom line is you should take them to a safe place where you can figure out what the appropriate thing to do is. This was not the way to handle the situation, regardless of what they thought was going on with Paul. 
they should have taken him to a place to figure it out and not been like, I'm just going to drop him off here. And if he is drugged out or if he is drunk or he is having a psychotic break, whatever it is, he can just figure it out by himself at this gas station in the middle of nowhere. That's closed. Right. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. The bottom line should have just been, we need to take him somewhere to get him help. And if that's not what you think you should do as a medic or a police officer, then you should not be in that position. And I stand by that. Something else I want to mention about Paul as a person, he, as I mentioned earlier, was really loved by everyone around him. But something else that was really cool that we learned from Cindy was that he had actually saved a woman who was disoriented on the highway at one point. And he actually was nominated for a Hero of the Year Award by the police. And he received the New Jersey Hero of the Year Award. And it gave him money as a reward that he or was going to put towards an education at Parsons, New York City. He wanted to be a fashion designer, and he actually had already gotten into Parsons. And it's just another level of you have to remember that everybody is a person and has, you know, a life irregardless of whether or not they have a mental illness. Another thing that Cindy mentions, and I'm going to read another bit of what she sent us because I think it is really powerful. She said, I feel the need to share with you some pictures of Paul. This is how we stop the stigma. We show that people who live with a mental illness are normal, beautiful people, no different than a person with any other illness. People in our society don't see people with these illnesses as anything other than crazy or even dangerous, mostly because of the news when something bad happens. But those who live with a mental illness that is under control don't tell anyone in fear of judgment. However, those people are our neighbors, relatives, friends, coworkers, and bosses. We would never know unless something goes wrong. And I think she just is absolutely right in that statement. There is such a stigma around it. And it's really unfortunate that because of that, situations like this happen. And with that, she did share two um, photos of Paul that we will share with you guys as well. And I just want to, again, ask you all to go to change.org and sign that petition and help get some justice for Paul and for his family, as well as bringing awareness to these situations. And we don't want this to happen. It's heartbreaking that it has happened. And I think we all have a role to play in this as well by being the voice for the people that can't do it themselves. So just once again, I want to commend Cindy for all the work that she's done and thank her for reaching out to us. And thank you all for listening. And please look at the photos of Paul that we're going to post and go to change.org and sign that petition. Thanks to listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepot at outlook.com. All of our sources can be found in the show notes for each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also support us by recommending us to friends and family, giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts, or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>